guys have been thinking and praying for you guys about like work and work life and making the most of work and <clears throat> one of the challenges that I've faced and I'm sure a lot of you have faced is how do we bring our faith into the workplace and 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 what ought we to expect from our jobs what should we be doing with it because I know a lot of people we get frustrated I see a lot of people are making crazy decisions about the place that they work or the reasons that they work or worse at the minute the reasons for quitting a job and so I want to sort of have a chat a little bit about what Jesus has got some wisdom around the area of work and about being shrewd. And so I've called this message um, Work, Ambition and the Holy Hustle. So there is a way to hustle without getting all alpha male about it all. There is a way to hustle in a holy way, in a holy way that honours God, but also brings the kingdom into the place that you work. You can expect God to be active in your career it's good for God and we don't want to create a separation between what you do all day and the God that you believe in on a Sunday we want that integration don't we we want it to be the you know that you're that you you're who you say you are wherever you are integration is a healthy thing so this is Luke chapter 16 it's a great passage it's one of them parables that's actually a little bit unexpected um, where you think did Jesus really say that did I just hear that right I love this Jesus told this story to his disciples there was a rich certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs one day a report came that that manager was wasting his employer's money so the employer called him and, and said what is this I hear about you Get your report in order because you're going to... I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm, <laughs> and I'm too proud to beg. I love that. I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know what I'll do. I'll ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. <laughs> Thank God Jesus says that sometimes. Because sometimes I'll go, are we, are we condoning theft? Is that what we're doing here, Jesus? No, he's not. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with great responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? It's a great thing for kids to learn. I love it. You've got to look after mom and, mom and dad's stuff before we give you your own stuff. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I'll read it up here. This is in the message translation. The master praised the crooked manager because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials, 
essentials so that you live, really live and not complacently and just get by on good behavior. And what's the second screen say, Amy? Jesus went on to make these comments. If you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? No worker can serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and love the second or adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and the bank. <laughs> so a proper like, when you, this is, theologians have a right wrestle with this um, parable because there's so much going on and Jesus speaks in that Jewish way of like hyperbole where he he creates extremes in order to, cre to create a point and so Jesus here is not commending dishonesty, dishonesty but he is commending shrewdness and one of the things that I've noticed at the minute in the working world is we, we're around a lot of change in the kind of professions that we do. And I know speaking to some of you, you're around a lot of change in the kinds of things that you do as well. And I noticed that Christians have a, a I'm going to pull it, um, we're going to do polar opposites of what I see happening. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> God, come down and magic this awkward difficulty away. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to change my job. I don't like any of it. Make it go away, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> because change is awkward and painful. Losing your job or thinking about your job or changing careers is difficult. But we're in a massive shakeup in the economy right now. And so I want to propose to you that that way of just crossing your fingers, uh, closing your eyes and hoping change goes away is not... <laughs> A solid structure for managing your life. On the other hand, on the other opposite, you get people who go, who are like hyper personal, goal focused, and they become like, there's almost no need for God in their life whatsoever. They decide what they're going to do. They they um, make things happen for themselves. They grind. They grustle. They make it all happen for themselves. And so, all their success, all their failure rests on their own decisions and they become very, very almost sometimes can become quite a narcissistic kind of behavior because it totally cent centers around our own personal wealth, our own personal freedom. And I want to suggest that somewhere between the two of those extremes is a healthy option for us to be shrewd, to be holy and to also make the most of the changes that we're seeing in the working world right now. Hope that makes sense. Jesus is teaching us to make the most of opportunities and to buy ourselves influence. I'm going to encourage you how to, as a Christian in the workplace, you can buy yourself, get yourself influence. And why, as a Christian, you should look for influence. And to be innocent, but not naive. It's a difference. And people who are naive get their bubble burst really harshly because they can't learn to see what's coming. Innocent people can see what's coming and choose the right way and the holy way forward. And innocence is what Jesus commends. To learn to master the use of money so that it never has mastery over us. A lot of Christians, oh, I don't want anything to do with money. Well, I tell you what, it's going to have something to do with you. We have to learn how to use and manage and wrestle with money as a thing. What it teaches us about ourselves, which is often what we don't like. <laughs> I've got so many hats. 
And every time I look at my hats, I look at my hats and I think to myself, I probably shouldn't have these many hats. My hats are a symptom of the money that I'm spending. Why am I spending so much money on hats? Matt, what's wrong with you that you need so many hats, right? You know what I'm talking about? So, and we, Jesus is teaching us to learn to decide on who our master will be. He is not saying you can't have money. He is saying don't let money have you. He's not saying you can't earn money or have a, be a person of influence. He's saying make sure that you know who's in charge. I really believe that we've taught, we've taught in the church, I grew up with it, where if there was a wealthy person or if there was somebody of influence, in the church kind of scenarios that I grew up with, we had a terrible attitude towards them. We either loved them and sucked up to them in the most horrible way, or we were whinging about them behind the scenes because they had money and because they had influence. And there was this jealous undertone, right? And I really feel like as Christians, we have to learn to walk across all spheres of society with all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. We don't need them to like us. And we can, we can um, pray for them and be a blessing to them and have influence over them in a positive way without expecting them to do anything for us or pull them down behind the scenes. And what money will do and what this kind of th- Jesus is talking about, it's, it's where your heart is that will really f- find out. This is why I used to encourage our kids, go, up, go to um, Selfridges and go and walk around the, all the clothes that you can't afford and try them on. Go up to Selfridges. Try on a Prada. <laughs> I'll have a Prada, please. <laughs> Just one. I can't afford two. I don't know. Whatever Prada. Try it on. See what happens. See, like, why? Because it'll teach you about your attitude to money, wealth. I'm not condoning it. I'm not condemning it. I'm saying it's it's just interesting that we are surrounded by these cultural forces that shape us uh, and that if we're not awake and aware of what's shaping us or shaping the society that we live in, we're going to be blind to it. Aspiration is not a bad thing, but aspiration in, in terms of wealth so that for status and for power needs really careful managing in gospel terms. All right. I hope that makes sense. God, um, so the God's will language, let's bust a couple of myths. So it's brought up a generation of people who, like me, were so so afraid of stepping out of the will of God that I used to pray, what cereal should I have this morning? What trousers should I wear? Because I was so afraid that I'd step outside of the will of God that it made me freak out to the point that I couldn't use my own decisions and my own agency to make a decision. Does that make sense to anybody? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you were told that God was a God of wrath. God was a God of like judgment, which he is a God of wrath and a God of judgment. But when it comes to partnering with us, he more partners with us than he does tell us what to do all the time. And what happens is we bring it into our work life. So we say, if it's your will, Lord, I'll get this job. If it's your will, Lord, I'll go to university. If it's your will, Lord, I'll date this person. If it's your will, Lord, um, help me remember all the exams answers. (laughs) I never know how to pray for people who are going for exams because I'm like, you probably should have revised. Like, I mean, I'm not being funny, but I can't like inject you with knowledge and ask the Holy Spirit to just, what can I pray for? I can pray for you to, I can pray for God. 
I just pray for God to be with you in your exam and for you to have a knowledge of God. That's all I can pray because why? Because God doesn't work like that. <laughs> doesn't give you magic maths answers. Do you imagine if God gave him all the answers, right? He'd not worked for a single thing and now he's managing corporate accounts. I'd be terrified. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't give him my accounts. I'd want him to have worked for what he's done. And I, I know that he has. Well, I trust that he has anyway. There's something about us where we partner with the will of God in our lives, right? We have agency, we have determination, we have some responsibility, but we also partner with. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So God doesn't, God's will is not a hyper-spiritual thing that will happen to us as he zaps us. It's built on relationship, intimacy, in which we have to get involved. It takes our agency. He doesn't want a slave relationship where he tells us what to do out of fear. And he doesn't want a boss relationship where if we do good things, we'll have good things. He wants a relationship with us that's based within the constraints of his freedom and an intimate relationship. So I don't read the Bible to find out what job I should do. I read the Bible and spend time with the Lord in order to get to know the Lord. And in getting to know the Lord, I will find out his will for my life. Um, God's will, by the way, will not save us from all life's problems. And that's what, not what God is saying here. God's will does not automatically ensure that you will get promoted. God's will automatically does not mean that you're going to get like a CEO corner office and a massive car. He, you will have trouble like everybody else, but you will also have a savior to strengthen you as you go through it. He didn't say that you'd succeed at everything that you ever wanted, but he did say that he'd never leave you or forsake you. See, the, the value is not what you do and your job. The value is the fact that he's with you in it and you will have a choice to make in your jobs. You will be tempted to do the wrong thing and you will have a way out. God's will is that we actually make a difference in the reality of people's lives through the gifts and the abilities and opportunities that he gives us. We still need to study. We still need to sacrifice. We still need the holy hustle. And we need to learn to live from a place of love and trust, not fear. So just end of part one. If you're worried about losing your job, strengthen your relationship with the Lord. Your fear, as I've got anxiety, I've got anxiety about the working world right now and my place in it. I used to have a very stable job, very steady job, and I've stepped out into a place that's not steady and stable at the minute. And it, vexes me sometimes wakes me up at two in the morning it's an invitation for me to walk closer with Jesus and to fetch that fear to him because the world isn't changing in one sense it's always going to be tumultuous but the love of God to us isn't changing either the love of God to us is permanent and so as we draw deeper into that relationship with him we're going to be able to face the things that we need to face does that make sense all right flip side so how can we be shrewd like this manager and leverage your current position for your own personal benefit and for the benefit of other people. Here's three things. I've not written them on the screen. Too many people jump from a bad situation to a worse situation because they haven't thought it through. Uh, maybe your job does suck, but you don't. But don't panic and make a bad situation worse by having no money and no plan at the end of the month. Like maybe you hate your job, or maybe you you sense that there's something else for you. <coughs> now is not the time to be emotional and panic about things. You need to sit and you need to think and you need to gather some resources. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Map some scenarios. 
me and Claire have been doing this for years. I found it to be really, really helpful. Somebody taught me to do it. Imagine what that might look like in every direction. I know you've got the fantasy of going into the boss's office and telling him exactly what you think of him, right? But that really goes exactly how you imagine it to be in your head. <laughs> the better the decision that you want to make, the more information you need to make that decision. If you want to make a good decision, you need lots of information to make that decision. And me and Clay used to use this phrase, phrase stack the odds in your favour. Every decision that you make, think it through. Think it's, can I learn to live without this job? Um, what else is out there in this field of interest? Do I need to retrain? Do I need to think of something else? It's not magic, and it doesn't sound particularly spiritual, but it's really spiritual. This will help you to prepare for what could happen so that you won't be caught off guard. Ask yourself, will this decision give me the outcome that I want? And if it doesn't, then don't do it. You might want to leave this job, but it might not be possible for you to leave this job right now because you are bought into a rental agreement for six more months. Okay, six more months. What are we going to do? We're going to think about what happens at the end of six months. I'm going to think about what else can I do? I'm going to start planning and thinking and preparing for six months' time when I have a break in my rental contract and I can think about moving somewhere else cheaper or somewhere or back home for a bit or co-share with somebody else I can think it through that is shrewd that is good and that is godly thinking I'm telling you it's not doesn't sound very spiritual and goosebumpy but it's really spiritual you have agency and you have the ability to choose God's favor by the way is not in a place like the old testament it's on you because of Jesus so back in the day some churches I grew up in used to say it like this church is blessed and if you leave this church you're not going to be blessed it's just not even from it's not even it's not even honest it's manipulative and it's rubbish you are blessed because Jesus lives within you you are blessed where you go is blessed because you're in it it's not not so much Jesus take the wheel because that stuff is just so unhelpful Jesus doesn't take the wheel. Jesus teaches us how to drive. I get what people are trying to do and I understand it, but it doesn't work like that. So learn to think like a follower of Jesus, not like a slave. So here's the thing, right? So if Jesus is in you, the kingdom is in you, you have the hope of eternity, you have the favor of God, you have the Holy Spirit, you have a church and friends and people. What decisions do you want to make to extend the influence of the kingdom of God in the community that you live in and in the workplace that you want to be. What is the thing that God called you to do? So instead of, oh God, I'm so terrified that I might miss your will. Now, it's I, I, am, I make a decision from a place of confidence that God goes before me. He's called me. And so I can set foot confidently into my future because I know that he has plans for me. I don't know what they are, but I'm going to activate them by moving forward and taking some decisions. Even if it doesn't work out exactly as I imagined. God's with me. Like this whole church, it's just not like I imagined. But on so many levels, it's so much better. I, and I still wrestle with God. God, it's not like working out like I imagined. Yeah, but... It's better than you imagined, though. You wouldn't have known that if you hadn't have stepped out and done what you really believed you should have been doing. 
hope I'm making sense here. All right, second thing you need to do. Oh, people. This, what a day we live in for this. This is so helpful. And I'm going to give you a personal example. Skill up. What new skills, qualifications, or income streams do you need to have so that you're strong enough to make the life change that you want? Some of the things that we needed to do and we want to do in our future are going to need money, right? And I can't rely on a boss to give me money. Say, say you're in 30 grand a year in a job, you work 30 something hours a week for that job. Imagine if you could earn 30 grand a year some other way through a royalty, through a passive income, through a house rental. You would then have that money, that time to do something else with that that you didn't need money to do. Long time ago, I wrote a song that gives me royalties right now that has made a contribution to the fact that I can now do this church and, and I know that there's a certain amount of money coming in eight times a year from a song that I wrote in 2013 that's contributing now to a decision that I can make. Are there things that you can do now that can almost future-proof yourself? Spend time building your income streams and your options before you jump so that you can give yourself options for a strong future. Spread your income stream so that you're not relying on one source. Now, one of the things was our dream when we got married was to have multiple sources of income. And we had two sources of income, <laughs> maybe even one source, one and a half sources of income because the half that I was bringing in was dismal. But now we have multiple sources of income because we've actively gone after it 25 years of marriage we've actively gone after multiple sources of income so that we're not totally reliant on this job it might seem like a pipe dream to you and it might seem something like, how do I do it I'm going to come to that it hasn't been all overnight but it's worth it um show initiative give your employer a headache so I know it's quite popular at the minute. Uh, uh, we, we work with a lot of people. I don't mean to be disrespectful to any generation. But younger generation, there's a certain um, certain characteristics that I want to encourage you to shake off the normal. Right? Is to clock in, to clock out, and to have a certain, what my generation would call entitlement, actually. It's, it's a little bit unfair, actually. I think the Gen Z are shrewd. And, and they want to know what they're doing and what they're getting involved with. And I think all of that is brilliant. However, there's still a lag, I would say, in the working world about how things actually work. So conceptually, I agree with you. But actually, you're still probably going to have to work a little bit longer than you want and do a bit more than you want to do. If you want to get influence, you're going to have to grind a little bit. Become indispensable. I worked at a terrible, I thought it was a terrible job. It was a start. And I basically got a management qualification. The company paid for it. And now they want to fast track me in management. I had no interest in minibuses. But what it gave me was <laughs> but what it gave me was a management qualification on my CV. And it helped me get around. I went to first CIPD conference, um, uh, which is Chartered Institute of Personal Development. I got around other managers. I knew it was a thing. I started to think, oh, yeah, man, this is a thing. I could really do this. And I started to pimp my CV a little bit and go, oh, I could do this stuff. I started to volunteer for things. Why? Because it's just, that's how it works. That, that's how the world works. I want Some of you are older, you know what I'm talking about. I hope I'm not coming across like an old geezer. Where is God's favour on you? 
what do you do that's blessed? So what's really interesting is, ah, oh, sounds terrible. No, it's important. It's important. There's a part of your life where you're not even trying that you're really good at and everybody sees it and they go, just do that thing. And you don't even think it's a thing. For me, uh, one part of my life is like songwriting. But every time I get involved in that world, something good happens off the back of it. And I'm like, what is that? Because there's miles better songwriters than me. But for some reason, when I do it, and I'm not, I'm, it's not, I'm not tooting my horn. I'm saying you've got to look at your life to see where God is blessing you. And then go with that. Make, that, make an investment in that area. Maybe it is in the areas of finance. Maybe it is in the area of music or teaching. But push into what God is blessing. Don't resist the blessing of God in your life. Go for it. If you're a boss leader and you feel bossy, like I know some of you guys wrestle with that, well, leave the people around you. Like step out of that and go and lead somewhere else because we need strong leaders. And then thirdly, and encourage you, add some really smart friends to your life. Develop new relationships that you need to give you strength and knowledge to make the changes that you want. Hang around smart, safe people who can help you go to your next level. Pay a coach or a counselor or a business advisor and level up your friends. That sounds really like, <laughs> sounds really savage. But listen, psychologists teach us that we become like the five people we hang around with the most. It's savage, isn't it? But it's reality. And you got one one go at this life and you've got God's potential inside of you. Guys, we've got to make some changes. We've got, we got to move some stuff forward. We've got to change some things in a healthy way. So I don't know that many super rich people. I know one or two really rich people and I, I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm not, not mean we say to Gracie all the time. No, we are rich. We're in the top 0.5% of the people in the world. Like, But I'm talking about this, this guy owns multiple businesses and every so often I text him for a coffee and I just listen to him talk because <laughs> he deals with things I've never even heard of. I have to go away and go, what does that mean? I wonder what that is. And he said to me, Matt, talking about church, talking about finance, talking about the kingdom. He said, Matt, it's not about money. It's about vision. From a multimillionaire. And I was like, that's so interesting. That perspective from that person really helps me and helps me. I'm blessed to know this person. You'll be surprised who would take your phone call. The people are out there. These things are out there for you. It's amazing, the world right now. What's God calling you to? Who are those people in, the, in your arena that are the market leaders? Maybe you could reach out to them. Who knows? God wants to increase your sphere of influence because he wants to save and help people and help them come into his kingdom. He wants to make an example of you and me as an example of his grace so that when people see us, they think, how did he do that? How did Gina do that? How did Alex do that? And it will cause them to wonder and to reach out to God for themselves. You are an example. I am I'm an example. And when people come to church and they see a room full of examples, they go, well, maybe there's something in this. That's God's plan. And we're part of it. So don't fall for the extreme over here. Oh, well, if it be your will, let's give it a try. Come back to the middle. Give it a try. Try it. God, guide me as I make some decisions. God, lead me. Ah, oh, well, I'm going to do my own thing totally. No, 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 no. Bring God into it. 
but don't stop moving. That's how God extends his kingdom through us. And my prayer for you guys and for me personally is that God leads us into healthy places of influence where our character and our gifting are like totally flowing and that we can do extraordinary things in the name of Jesus. All right, let me pray for you. God, help us to work well um, in our jobs and help us to uh, hustle in a holy way. I pray that where there are opportunities for us, that you'd help us to embrace those opportunities. I pray where there are, we're being a bit resistant or we're being a bit fearful, that God, you would face us with that. And I pray, Lord, where there's maybe a lack of confidence or there's maybe another voice, an external voice that we need that can encourage us. Lord, I pray that you bring those people to mind. Maybe they're already in our phone book or maybe they're just a friend of a friend. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be a church that is expansive and collaborative and influential for your kingdom and for our own benefit too. Help us to be shrewd Christians, not blown back and forth by fearful doctrine or by the culture of manifestation at the same time. And we ask you to do this in your strong name. And we look to you. Amen.